It is, it's good to be back after a couple of weeks. Okay, who is still talking? If you'd like to come and take your seats. Thank you. I just, um, I just really want to praise God because my husband, Martin, and myself and, and mum, we all went back to England for a couple of weeks and my niece got married and originally... I think Martin just thought he was doing a, a prayer for the wedding and then I think two days before um, was told by the beautiful young couple in love that he was actually doing the wedding and then um, realised it was part of a Anglican church and that he would have to do it in tango with the vicar. And so he connected with this beautiful vicar of this fairy tale church in a beautiful English village. And God is so good because sometimes you can be prayed into... A situation and um, Martin really, really connected with this um, beautiful man um, who was very, very humble. And he had had a word that someone was going to come to his church and they would come without reputation. Um, and basically, they would help lead his church, um, cutting a very long story short, into the ways of the Holy Spirit. And when he met Martin, he said, I know that you are this man. And what was so interesting was the Sunday after the wedding, you know, he, we, you know, really felt led to go to his church. And it was um, Pentecost Sunday and the bishop had come as well and he was commissioning and he asked Martin to get up and share some of the things that God had been um, doing and that Martin had been seeing. And even though um, what we would consider maybe formal with a liturgy, whatever, the Holy Spirit was really there. Um, but, you know, everything was going along to, to the program. Um, and then we went to the prayer meeting in, in the week and, and he said to Martin, I, I know that you're the man. So he asked Martin to, to preach in his church the next Sunday. And it was incredible because he, he said, he said, look, um, he said, my people don't respond. So if you do an altar call, they, they, they probably won't get up. Um, and, and Martin preached. And right at the end, it was like every single person in that church came up. And, and what we saw was that as they were coming up, both men and women, young and old, with tears in their eyes... And afterwards, this beautiful vicar, he was so excited and so happy because he said, now I know. Now I know what to do. And he had been praying. He had got a little group of people and they'd really, really been praying for God to move and God to lead them. And we were so encouraged because we, we just stepped into this prayer. And so I want to encourage every single one of you um, and, you know, one of the things he, he shared with me was he just didn't know how it was going to be possible. And sometimes when we pray, we sometimes want to find the solution in our mind. We don't have to do that. Whatever you're asking God for, simply believe, leave it with him, and he will answer. So I want to give all glory and all honour to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay.
If you would like to, I'm going to read the passage from my husband that he's going to preach from. If you'd like to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 50, and I'm reading Isaiah 50 verse 10. I'm going to be reading from verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. The word of the Lord. Good it is to be back at home in the house of God. Tell somebody it's good to be in the house of God. Yeah. I, I thought I was going on a holiday and now I need a holiday. Because uh, as my wife just explained, we just went... We just went to this place and uh, to England, and I thought we were going on a holiday, a lovely family holiday, and going to sit there and have a dance and watch someone get married and all the rest of it, until they got there and they said, well, you're doing the wedding. And that was... But then, you know, God had given me a word that he'd use me in nations this year, and it's so encouraging because, you know, we've been used in the nation of, of England now, and, the, and the, this little Church of England church, you know, which, which so needs revival and so needs a move of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as Michelle said, we were over there and um, I met this lovely man, just really godly man. Um, and he's like really seeking renewal and revival and been praying for, for a long time. And God had told him that the way it would come that he would send a messenger. And so I'm over there and I'm thinking, oh, this is a lovely wedding and this, that. And this vicar said to me, he said, you're the messenger. And then it was all on. And then it was meetings and prayer meetings. And it was so wonderful because at the end, as Michelle said, uh, you know, part of his word, God had told him, was that the messenger would come and things would not be the same. And this church had, doesn't have a culture of response. And the vicar had said, people won't respond. But when the Holy Spirit moved, there was a tremendous response. And a culture of responding to God was established. And I really believe it's like uh, Angela had a vision of a pebble being dropped into a pond and uh, the effect will ripple out. So it's wonderful to be used of God, even in um, surprising ways. And, uh, and we just rejoice because that's what we want to do. We want to just simply be used by God wherever and with whoever uh, God ordains. So wonderful. Okay, let's come to the Word of God. Father, I thank you for your Word but this is not going to help us, Lord, unless this word penetrates into where we hear you. So, Father, we ask that you open our ears. Where hearts are hard, that you soften them this morning. But, Father, you have wonderful things to say, things to encourage us, things to heal us, things to strengthen us. Lord, let this word go into the place, our spirit, where we actually hear from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's, it's so wonderful to be a Christian when you, uh, I just call it on top, where you're walking in the presence of God, you're walking in the fellowship of God. And, you know, you actually, uh, there's a place where 
you know, the anointing is flowing. You can actually feel the smile of God on your life. It's just wonderful. And, and you know, life, your life is full of light and it's full of life and peace and joy in those times. And, um, you know, we often call those as Christians, we call those times, you know, mountaintop experiences. And, uh, and, and it's wonderful. And you know, the trouble is some, some people think that is the, and it's even been taught, incorrectly in some parts of the church that's where a christian ought be and that's where a christian lives and and god's plan for them is just to be in that place but this passage my wife just read it it kind of shocked me when i read it not that i don't know it but the way it is read here is just so obvious and verse 10 says who among you who fears the lord who obeys the voice of his servant so that's that's a serious believer and he says, who among you who fears the Lord, who obeys the voice of his servant, who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. So he's saying this person who is a real serious believer, who fears God, you know, is in awe that God is, that he exists. That's what it is to fear God. And, and he obeys God. So he obeys the voice of God. When God speaks to him, when he reads the word of God, he actually doesn't just hear it, he actually does it. And he says, this person who's a serious believer, very next verse says, walks in darkness and has no light. And, you know, there are times where, you know, light means revelation. And it means uh, sensing the presence of God, his peace and his joy in your life. And this passage is saying there, there are times in your life where you will not experience and feel God. And there are times where you will not have vision of what God is doing with you and an understanding of what God is saying to you, where he is leading you. There will be a times where you're in darkness. And in darkness, you, you can't see and you have no vision. And it's very, very interesting that many of the significant people in the Scriptures uh, experience darkness and deep darkness. Adam, God put him into uh, a deep sleep, sleep of darkness, and then out of his rib he pulled Eve. Sometimes God will put you in a place of darkness, but you'll discover something that you didn't know was in you in the times of darkness. Abraham was put into a place of darkness and, uh, and God spoke to him and God made a covenant with him. And when he came out of that place of darkness, he just knew his children and his children's children would be blessed. Um, even Jesus, three days in a tomb before he was glorified, place of darkness. And Paul, he was, Saul was killing Christians and persecuting Christians and before he was changed from Saul to Paul, he spent three days blind, completely in darkness. So you, you as a believer, it's not all mountaintops and it's not all glory. It's not all the presence of God. There are times where you are not going to know what God is doing with you. Not going to know where God is leading you. You're not going to... Always, because God's ways are above your ways. 
And it's really important, it's really important, because I've seen so many Christians blow it when they can't feel God, when they don't know what God is saying. It's really important that you know what to do. You know why? Because Isaiah, we had this word over this church in 2020, the start of it, before the virus came and all the, that, that, that what was the word? Isaiah 60 says this. This is a word. Arise, shine, for your glory has come. We love that bit. But verse 2, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. And I believe we're, we're actually heading into a time where there is going to be darkness, economic darkness, lots of darkness in the world. And God's people need to know what to do when you're in that situation. And this scripture says, first of all, it tells us when you're in that time of darkness, he said, let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. That's faith talk to trust in the name of the Lord and rely on God. It's just another name of saying what's important when you're in darkness is faith. It is to stay in faith. It's so important because Jesus spoke in the Scriptures three times. He rebuked the disciples for not having faith. In, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 and 40, I think it is, he actually speaks about uh, having faith for your provision. He says, look at the birds of the air and how, you know, God clothes them or feeds them. And look at the flowers of the field, the lilies, how God clothes them. And he says, God cares more about you than a, than a, a, a lily and a bird. And he, and he rebukes them for having little faith and having, you know, anxiety about tomorrow and their provision. Another time he rebukes them when they're in a storm and Jesus is with them. And so they're rebuked because they don't believe God with you is enough. Another time when Peter's got out of the boat and walked on water for a few steps, Jesus rebuked him for having little faith. So Jesus wants us and expects us to have faith. It's important because without faith, it's important to believe him. And when you're in a time of darkness, what is important is faith. It is faith. And it's really important because the one thing Jesus was concerned about when he returned, and he is returning, he said, will the Son of Man find faith in the earth? When you're in darkness, what's important is faith. And this is the problem. Verse 11, look all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire in the sparks you have kindled, this you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. What's that speaking about? It's speaking about someone when they get to that place of darkness and they don't know what God's doing. They don't know what God's doing. They don't know where God's going to direct them. And they don't know if God's forgotten them. That instead of being someone who trusts God and moves in faith, they kindle a fire for themselves. Walk in the light of your fire, the sparks you have kindled. So they try to create a solution. They try to do something of themselves, but it's a not faith solution. It's something that excludes God, something that doesn't depend upon God or rely upon God. It's getting something happening for yourself. And he says, the trouble when you go down that path, it will end where you shall lie down in torment. It shall lie down in torment. So you don't 
trying to create your own light when you're in darkness. Don't try to create your own situation to get yourself out. What's important? What God's looking for is faith. Because darkness, when you're in darkness, it's a faith battle. In fact, every battle is a faith battle. Every time you're placed in a place where things are challenging, it's a test of faith. In every battle, it's a faith fight. It is a faith fight. When you're in darkness, it is a faith fight. It is a faith battle. And faith, and only faith, is the victory. So it's really important that we, we understand. You know, I always say, you know, you can have all the feelings, you can have all the emotions, you can fall on the ground, you can laugh, you can do all the things people are prone to do in the church, but until faith comes in, nothing's going to change. Until faith comes in, there'll be no victory. Faith is what counts. And, you know, uh, that's, why, that's why before Jesus died, he knew that Peter was going to go into a time of darkness where the enemy came and, would, and, he, and, he, and he prayed and said, Peter, I know the enemy wants to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail. Not that your life, his life failed, but Peter got onto his destiny because even though his life failed, even though his character failed, even though morally he failed, his faith never failed. Therefore, he was able to make a comeback and therefore he was able to keep on track with Jesus because his faith did not fail. This is what's important in dark times. Uh, you know, it says here, let him trust who walks in darkness, has no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Let him rely upon his God. And let me say, let him rely upon and trust in the name of his God. This is speaking about faith. And there's a lot of talk about faith, kind of in the word faith movement. Some of it's good, some of it's not so good. But the problem is, a lot of it's speaking about you having to produce faith, you having to work up faith, and faith in, and you end up in a place where you have faith in your faith. But that's not what biblical faith is. The Bible never speaks about having faith in faith. It never says just have faith and believe. It says, the Bible teaches, have faith in God, believe in Jesus Christ, because faith, biblical faith, has an object. It rests upon the object, and it rests upon the person and character of God and Jesus Christ. That's what biblical faith is. And it rests on God. Rests, that's what it says, trust and rely. But see, what is, what is needed, if you're going to trust and rely on God, what, what is needed and what is essential to biblical faith is knowledge of God. There is nothing more valuable, that, listen to this, there is nothing more valuable than a faith-based knowledge. A knowledge based on faith, a, a faith based on knowledge. 
a faith which is based on really knowing who God is. That's what's so important. That's what's so vital. That's what's so precious. In, in 2 Peter, if you turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, Peter is writing this and Peter is about himself to be martyred. And he knows the church is entering a season where great persecution is going to come to him. This is, this is a time where Nero was lighting Christians up and using them as oil lamps in the city. He was just killing people in the most dreadful way. And Peter knew that, that, that this was going to be a great faith fight for the church. They were going to need to, to stand firm and believe and trust God because they were going into a season of great darkness. And this is the last words Peter said in his letter. And he says, verse 18, because there is a great faith fight in front of you, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the grace and knowledge of God. Because in a faith fight, what you need is knowledge of God. It is knowledge of God, which is that knowledge of God is the basis of faith. It is a foundation of faith. It is your faith rests upon knowing that God is faithful, that He's long suffering, that God is Jehovah Jireh, your, your provider. He is Jehovah Rapha, your healer. He is merciful. He's caring. He's long suffering. He will fight for you. Faith is based on knowledge of who God is. And what's, what's really important is we're living in a generation. You know, I don't know if you've read, but a lot of people are, um, read this guy, Tim, someone this week on the internet. He was talking about how millennials are deconstructing. And I've heard this before, but it's like, yeah, we don't, we don't really want to have the faith that's been passed down to us for 2,000 years. We kind of want to do something different. And what the focus is now, a lot of young people, they, they, they want to focus on discovering who you are. Now, there's nothing wrong with knowing your identity in Christ. In fact, it's good. But, f but, the, but the, when you're in a faith fight, when you're in a place of darkness, knowing who you are isn't going to help you. Knowing who you are isn't going to get you out. You need to know who God is. You need to know the greatness of God when you're in a dark place. When you're in a battle, you don't need to know who you are. You are dust. You need to know someone greater. You need to know the amazing attributes of God. And that's why we need to be growing in the knowledge of God. And that's why in this church, what we're doing, we know dark times are coming, so we have Bible studies. Why do we have Bible studies? To see you grow in the knowledge of God that your faith may not fail. That may not fail. And you know, the, it's all about not knowing and thinking that you are somebody. It's actually really knowing somebody great. That's, that's what your faith rests on. And, and knowledge is so important because knowing who God is is so important because when you're in a faith battle, you know what the enemy does? This is what Satan does. When you're in place of darkness and you're, you're, you're under the pump and you can't feel God and maybe things are happening in your life which are difficult, what Satan comes to do 
he doesn't come to convince you, particularly if you're a believer, that God doesn't exist because you know that. You've been born again. But what he comes to do is to distort and misconstrue who God is. I was reading the same thing online this week. This, this man who married this woman, and he, shortly after he got married, his bride got cancer. And you know, he'd been leaving for a wife for a long time, and, and his wife got cancer. And he, he watched her die. And he said, you know, he was in this great test at the time. He was in this great battle, this great battle of faith. He said the, the, the battle wasn't uh, about who, you know, whether God is. The battle is about what God was like. Was God still good? Was God still good? And he said, the way I know God is good is not just through my experience of God, that's good enough, but I know through the Word of God. And I want to tell you, you you are not going to have a faith which can stand up in dark times. You're not going to have that without the knowledge of God. And the only place you get the knowledge of God is through this book. The only place you get the knowledge of God and develop a faith which can be tested, which can go through fire, which can stand in darkness, which can endure when you can't see. The only way you can get that is to have knowledge of God which comes from this Word. And if you're not reading this Word, if you're not reading this Word, I, I, when challenges come, when darkness comes, I, I, your foundation... If it's going to stand on who you God, who you are, it's going to fail. It is going to fail. But see, it's so vital that we have a knowledge of who God is, what He is like, what His character is, how trustworthy He is, how perfect is His timing that he is my healer, he is my deliverer, he is my provider, that I have this not just head, but I actually know who God is when darkness comes. Uh, There's this Olympic swimmer. I still think he's the greatest swimmer. He's won more gold medals than any other person. His name is Michael Phelps. And... One of the reasons he became great was that he had this trainer, this coach, and this coach trained him in a very unorthodox method. And what his coach would do, instead of just sending him up and down the pool like everybody else, his coach would periodically put pinpricks in his goggles. And so he's (laughs) swimming along, and his goggles would fill up with water. And then other times, you know, they'd be training at night and, you know, they'd be training and be going up and down in this heated pool. The, the coach, and, you know, the way the swimmer, you know, he, he learns to swim, he, he's got the lines on the pool which show him how to stay in the center of his lane and tell him where he is in relation to the end of the pool. But his coach, periodically, would turn the lights off and he'd be swimming in complete darkness But what happened was in Beijing, in the final of the 400 or 200 meters, that he 
Michael Phelps t- tells it in his testimony. He says he, he stood on the blocks and he, he just sensed in his you know, kind of inner man, he just sensed something was going to go wrong. And he dived in the pool. And sure enough, after a little while, 50, 60 meters, he started to feel his goggles slowly filling up with water. And they filled up with water and they filled, until just before the last turn, he could see nothing. And he said, but because I'd had this experience, he said, and I'd been swimming in darkness so many times when the coach turned out the lights. He said, I had knowledge of the pool. And he said, when I turned from the last lap, I knew the pool. And I knew there was exactly 21 strokes I had to take. And then I'd sail into the, 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 the blocks. And he said, so I knew the darkness didn't worry me because I knew the pool. And when he sailed in, and he sailed in after his 21 strokes, he looked up. And not only had he won, he looked up and there was a world record. But the darkness didn't didn't defeat him because he had knowledge of the pool. Your pool is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. If you know your God, if you know who he is, dark times will come. But you will not only get through them. I, I want to tell you this. It's, the Bible says what, what happens to people who in dark times don't try to make their own way out, and make their own plans, but trust in the name of the Lord and rely, rely on him. I tell you two things that happen at the end. If you just trust in God, it's hard. I don't sense you. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know where you're leading me, but I'm trusting you and I'm relying on you, even though it's hard. What will happen? Word of God promises. Psalm 1. 1 one two says, unto the upright, light arises in your darkness. So there comes a time, Jesus is the light of the world, that you will, you, you suddenly you'll just feel, oh, I'm not alone anymore. Here is God. God's come back to me. The Holy Spirit has come and he's got a fresh word to me. Light has risen into your darkness. So if you trust and rely, I promise you, your darkness will be temporary. Your darkness will be temporary. And then Isaiah 45, 3, I love this, this, this. I've meditated on this for a little while now, and I haven't been able to speak about it until I really understood it. Isaiah 45, 3 speaks about the hidden treasures of darkness. Oh, the hidden treasures of darkness. See, see, God lives, the Bible says, in a dark cloud. And for you to grow, you don't grow on the mountaintops. God takes you through times where you don't feel him. You don't understand what he's doing in your life. You don't know where he's directing you. But if you trust and rely on him, you discover his hidden treasures. And what his hidden treasures are is it's like a seed And you are a seed. And God wants to change you. He wants to change you, Bible says, from 
glory to glory, from faith to faith, from, from being a little bit like Jesus to more like Jesus to more like Jesus. He wants to change you. You know how he changes you? It's like how a caterpillar is changed into a butterfly. It has to be buried in the ground in a place of darkness. Or like a seed, before a seed becomes fruitful, it has to be buried in the ground. It has to be put in a great place of darkness. But after that time of darkness, at the perfect moment, that seed emerges completely different. It is changed and it is greater. You think, where's my biblical example of that? Jesus came out of the tomb glorified. But the apostle Paul, before he was Paul, he was called Saul. And he was persecuting Christians until God got a hold of him. And he knocked him off his horse. And he was blind for three days. He's in a place of darkness for three days. Couldn't see. But he trusted on God. And he relied on God. And in God's perfect timing, Saul became Paul. This is the hidden treasures that people experience. This is the hidden treasures that God has for people who trust him and rely on him when they don't understand, when they can't see, when they've got nothing. But they choose faith in the battle. They choose faith. And I just have a feeling today, I, when I preach this, I just have a feeling today, there are people here who are in that place where you, you don't know where God is leading you, you don't know where God is directing you, you don't know what God's doing with you now. And you don't feel God. He's got you in that place. I want to tell you, it doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. In fact, God's put you there. And he's put you there. And right where you are is a test. It's simply a test. Whether you're going to try to get yourself out, or you're going to rely on God and trust him. Whether you're going to try to make something happen in the flesh. Maybe it's singleness. Singleness. Don't try to fix your singleness apart from God. That's just lighting a fire. Don't try to fix it without relying on God and trusting in God. But where you are, it's just a faith test. But if you rely on Him and if you trust in Him, what's going to happen is at the exact right time, His presence, His word, His direction is going to come back into your life. And at the end of it, you are going to be changed. You are going to, God's not burying you, He's planting you. You're going to come out of that time like that seed, like Saul. You're going to come out of that season changed and different. And you're going to have, you're going to have grown. You're going to have more faith. You're going to be more like Christ. You're going to be more like Jesus because that change happens not on the mountaintop. 
It happens in seasons of darkness. The Bible says deep darkness will cover the people. But if you belong to Jesus, he's going to use that darkness and everything else in this world for your good. For your good. Amen? Amen. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I know there are people here who you're in that place. You're saying, where is God? Where, where, you know, have I done something wrong? The word is, just trust him. Don't try to get, just rely on him. Look at his word. Know who he is. And he'll turn everything for your good. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and praise Him. Let's stand up because He is good. The hidden treasures of darkness. These are the changes that God brings in your life when you come out the other side. That's what He's going to do because He's faithful and He's good. Amen. Michael. Okay. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. That is a confirmation, Michael. Through times of darkness, they're normal. But if we trust God, he'll turn everything for our good. Let's praise him. going to that time where you do feel distant from God and you feel in a dark place, maybe you want to come forward, just want to respond to God. And those that come forward, I'm going to pray like Jesus prayed. The most important prayer, that your faith in this season will not fail. But God will strengthen you from faith to faith, that you will go from one measure of glory to another that you will not fail God, you will not move in the flesh, that you will trust Him and you will see great change in His life at the end of it. If that's you, if God wants to, if you feel you're in that place, you come, God's going to deal with you today. God's going to do something great in your life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He hasn't forgotten you. You haven't done anything wrong. God said you haven't failed Him. It's just where God does His work. Father God, I pray for every person that's come here and is coming forward today. And Father God, we just know it's a test. It's a challenge. It's a battle that only faith wins. It's a battle that you have positioned these people for. It's a test that you have designed. And I pray that, Father, every person here, that their faith 
that their trust, their reliance on you in this season will be strengthened. That, Lord, the faith that is there will be strengthened this morning. That no faith will fail. That they will not look to the arm of the flesh in this time, in this challenge. But they will look to God, their healer, their deliverer, their source of all things. That they will trust in God. That God will be their plan A, their plan B, their plan C. And they will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. That they will see you change what they cannot change. They will see you provide what they need. They will see you heal what needs healing. They will see you deliver them. Because Lord, your timing is perfect. We bless you and praise you that you've given us. We don't have to work it up, but faith comes through hearing. And from this word today, faith has been strengthened and faith shall be strengthened from the knowledge of who you are. Father God, strengthen us, our understanding that you are faithful, that your eyes never depart from your children, that you love us more than we can understand, that you'll never forsake us. And Father God, you will work everything for our good, that you never forget us or leave us on the shelf, that you have great plans for every single one of your children. Let our faith rest on the true knowledge of God. And everybody said, praise God for the change that's coming after the darkness. Hallelujah.